Hello, ladies. Welcome to another episode of the Fight Back podcast. I'm Georgia Very. I'm your host. I'm an exercise scientist, a kickboxer, and the founder of the Fight Back Project, a trauma-informed kickboxing program for female survivors of violence. You're here because you love combat sports. You're a woman who's realized that it's badass to do scary things to try and strangle people, to try and punch people, to punch bags even, and feel what that feels like in your body. I'm really hoping that by listening to this podcast, you're inspired to help a sister out, talk to another woman who, you know, isn't doing okay with their mental health, or maybe even could just be in a bit of a better space with their mental health. And I hope that by listening to this podcast, you get to learn something. So sometimes I have on experts and we talk about mental health, combat sports, women in combat sports, and how all of that is linked. And we talk about exercise and how exercise is related to your mental health. Uh, Sometimes I have on incredible women to share their story. I really believe that There are so many women out there that have overcome crazy things by training in combat sports. And, you know, we don't all have to step into the ring or into the cage to have done that. Just stepping on the mat is scary enough. And so without further ado, today's guest is Stephanie Ray. She is the founder of Breathe, Burn, Rise, which is a program that helps women reconnect with their bodies through yoga, through Reiki, through meditation and somatic experiencing. So I'm going to hand over to Steph to introduce herself. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Steph, I'm going to let you take it away first by introducing yourself and telling everyone a bit about you. (laughs) Uh, Well, I'm here in Chicago. Um, So anybody from my account who's joining, you probably know that. And I am a somatic experiencing practitioner for trauma therapy. And I also do biodynamic breath work for trauma release. Uh, so my, my background is really body-based uh, trauma healing. And, you know, I've got a background in yoga and Reiki, which is, which is energy work, uh, meditation. And that's been really my focus for the past, oh, I don't even know. I mean, I've been practicing yoga for about 20 years now, but I've been teaching this type of stuff, body-based healing for about 12 years. And then I got into more of the somatic uh, therapy and breath work, really deep breath work about probably about four years ago. And it just, it's, it's changed my entire life. And it's just so near and dear to me because of the impact it's had on me. And I've seen now hundreds of people and I've worked with just hundreds of different people from all walks of life. And when people are able to finally feel into their bodies and release like big emotions and feel their feelings and release trauma that has really held them back for so long, it just, it's, I don't know, it's just such a beautiful, beautiful thing to be able to one witness and then also to be able to now teach after I've, I've learned. And so, yeah, it's really, it's really my passion now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's, let's start at the start. Um, How did you first get into 
teaching yoga in this this sort of style the body-based yoga the experiencing trauma what prompted it why did you start so actually i used to be in investment banking <laughs> uh that's i went to college and i did finance in utah at utah state university and i had this big dream of going to the big city and working in a high rise and being this big like finance whiz person and i did it and i loved it for like a couple years and then i realized that for me it was not actually the dream that i really wanted in my life and so it kind of came down to this really pivotal moment it's like do i follow this dream that i've worked so hard for and i studied in college and kind of what was expected of of me or do i just throw all caution to the wind and run away to an ashram in hawaii and study yoga breathwork and meditation so that's what i i, I decided to <laughs> thank you anthony um and so that's that's what i did is i just realized that i really had this pivotal choice do i have the courage to dream a new dream or not and i i did and i just i just did it um and it really immersing myself in uh, meditation, breathwork, and yoga for so long um, during this immersion program, it's, it was the base of everything for me. And so that's where the very beginning was. This was back in about 2008. I mean, Instagram, all this stuff never exist before. I did have a blog that I was religiously writing on. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's when it all started, um, is when I, back in Kona, Hawaii, at <laughs> the ashram. <laughs> and then I know there's been a few different things that you've personally been working on healing from, from a trauma perspective, but how did trauma first show up in your life? Like, how did it feel in your body? Where did it present itself? Like, what happened there? Hmm, that's such a good question. So... If you would have asked me even seven years ago what trauma was, I would have been like, oh, it's for people who've been to war or people who have, uh, you know, these big sexual traumas or been in a car wreck. I, I only classify trauma as these big, big T traumas. And it took <laughs> going through something as an adult sexual trauma as an adult to finally kind of wake myself up to, oh, I, I do have like way more trauma in my life. And it did start with something that was bigger, you know? And at first I had no idea what was going on. Like I had no idea that trauma was even trauma, even when it was happening to me. And that's very, very typical is, you know, I'm going to speak just from my own experience, but from what I talk to a lot of women about as well, uh, you know, you think, one, it's not that bad. Two, I just don't want to think about it. You disassociate. You freeze from everything. Uh, you, I, um, I just, I didn't think it was that bad. And, and honestly, I'll just get really real here with you. <laughs> So how I knew finally that trauma really had presented was um, I was I was with a partner and it was a very consensual. He was a very wonderful man. And it was after the first time that we slept together. And the next morning I woke up and it was like this 
rage took over me and I looked over at him and it was like, oh my God, I, I have like, I want to like kill you. <laughs> and I don't know why. And I'm not, you know, I'm not trying, I'm not going to kill anybody, but it was this overwhelming, like, rah, it just felt so, I felt so dirty and rageful and just angry, even though I just had this, you know, consensual, beautiful experience with a partner. And it was at that point when I realized, oh my God, I've got something wrong. Like something is actually not okay. And so that's the first time that I realized something was not all right. And I needed to get deeper into what is, what is actually going on here. And that's kind of when everything blew open for me. And that was, that was really the beginning of like the deep dive into trauma healing for me. And what has that process looked like? What sort of things have you done in your practice for yourself to release that trauma? Yeah. So the first thing that I did was I signed up for this retreat and I know like, you know, not everybody has, I, I feel very fortunate that I was able to even go to this retreat and I had no idea what it was. It's called Path of Love and it's a seven day personal development retreat, but it's really a somatic based trauma therapy retreat. All of the practice, all of the facilitators are trained in somatic experiencing. And it was there when I was really able to dive into my feelings and I was able to feel and not only feel, but express my feelings. And it was at that point when I realized, oh, really bad shit has happened and it's okay to feel it in this safe container. And I was able to get angry and like primal angry and have somebody hold me in that anger and be met by other women. It, it was co-ed, but some of my most powerful moments were, you know, face to face with another woman, just primal roaring and screaming and just getting out that anger. It's like scraping out all the gunk at the bottom of my soul. And so for me, personally being able to really tap into those feelings of anger and rage was the biggest step that I could take. And it's interesting because now I understand, you know, when we have something traumatic happen to us, whether it's sexual trauma, violence, um, neglect, any sort of big trauma, little trauma, we often go into some sort of a free state or collapse. And this often happens, especially with childhood sexual abuse, because we can't really fight back. You know, you, you, the person's bigger or you don't, you can't run away. And so your body just collapses. And so I found for me that I went into this like chronic free state and disassociation. And once I started to unthaw and come out of this, it's like, whoosh, there's the anger that never got to be released. And that's very natural and it's very beautiful. And so, you know, especially like when I work with clients and they start to come out, they're like, why am I so pissed off all the time? I'm like, this is a beautiful thing. This is your power coming back. So yeah, that was, that was for me, definitely the biggest step was starting to get in touch with my own power and my anger again and then also feeling the grief and the sadness and learning how to also contain it so that would be like your journey into expanding your window of tolerance right 
I guessing initially it was very small and so you were going straight into the freeze mode and then kind of into that that fight or flight like that really like primal anger emotional mode and then on the fringes of that how have you then progressed that past that into really expanding your window of tolerance to the point that you're at today yeah so the biggest thing I think that I had to learn was you know so let's say this is our nervous system right here right so we are naturally going to kind of be a little bit wavy we're going to have times of a little bit higher energy and a little bit lower energy we're going to go into the sympathetic and parasympathetic but how i was living was in this freeze state so i was taking a deep dive here and then all of a sudden i would get anxious which sends you here which eventually you're going to collapse because that's such high energy so it's like your life just goes like this and it's so exhausting when you finally realize that you've been living in a state where you're ping-ponging back and forth and it's really difficult to find that regulation and another thing that way that i finally realized that i was living like this was it was actually an exercise that we did in one of my somatic experiencing um courses and they had us just go outside with a partner and walk around and really tune in to what we were feeling in our body and as I was walking around outside, I was like looking behind every tree. I was looking like under the freaking rocks for, you know, waiting for the next attack to happen. It's like a car would drive by and I'd be like, did you see the way they looked? Like, you think they're gonna get out of the car and like come attack us? Or, you know, just constantly, I was just in this hyper vigilant state. And my partner's like, what is going on? Like, we're just outside, like in this beautiful park. Like, I'm not thinking any of these things. And, and I looked at her and I was like, doesn't everybody walk around outside just waiting to be attacked? And she's like, no, no, I don't think so. And that was the first time too, that I was like, oh my God, I'm exhausted. And I went back into the classroom and I just dropped down in the back of the room and cried. I just sat in the back of the room and cried. And I was like, I am so exhausted from living this way. I need to learn how to come from this window into more regulation. And so that's constantly what my personal practice has been is when something is triggered or when something ha you know happens, I don't go into panic, anxiety. We don't go into hypervigilance, but you also don't collapse and you're like, huh. You know, I just, I can't move. I'm lethargic. I feel depressed. Uh, you know, so it's, it's being able to bounce and swing back and forth in a very regulated way. And that's what we all need to kind of strive to do. So if we're anxious, we're really living in this high sympathetic state and eventually you're going to crash. And if you're living in this frozen state, you really can't access that life force energy that gives you motivation to follow your purpose and follow into your power and to really stand in who you are. So this is, you know, this is the range that we all need to work to get to. But if you don't have the tools and you don't realize it, that's when you get blown out in either way. And when people do realize that they're moving outside of their window of tolerance, how does breath work help them work through that? So the biggest thing that breathwork does is it brings presence to the now. And even just taking 
the smallest breath, like in through the nose and out through the mouth. And if you do that three times, three to five times, all of a sudden your nervous system is like, oh, okay. So this is, you know, if you're starting to feel anxiety and panic, so this is, would be if you're up here, it's like, oh, okay, I'm here, I'm safe, I'm alive, you know, and that gives you, that buys you 30 seconds to be able to look around and realize, okay, pending you're in a safe situation that you can, maybe you can come back to resource and like feel into your body, feel your skin. I'm okay right now. And it allows you to come back down into the present. And now you've taken this incredible journey that you've been on through experiencing trauma, realizing you had trauma and healing from that trauma. Now to be at the point where you've been able to start Krav Maga so yes. that's the connection how we first met first yep. for everyone who doesn't know what Krav Maga is can you explain it yeah and I pro I, I'm gonna do the best I can and I know you got that it you got it watching this and I'm like <laughs> ah I feel like I hope I do it okay so Krav Maga is a martial art and it's what they've trained the Israeli military in from my knowledge, and please correct me if I'm wrong, if anybody jumps in, if this is wrong, like you can correct me. Um, and the way that I am trained with my teachers is it's really, uh, they, they're teaching us for street fighting, for you know what to do if you get attacked. Like somebody comes up and bear hugs you or traps you or chokes you or pins you down on the ground, how do you escape? In that five to 15 seconds that you have, how do you not freeze? How do you escape? How do you fight back? How do you do the most damage to this person that you can? It's not like we're going to slap them in the face. No, like we want to do damage to their body. And my teacher always says, concuss the brain and destroy the frame. So you go for the pelvic region and you go for the head. And you have five to 15 seconds to do as much damage as you can and get the hell out. So that's really how they train in my in my in my studio yeah so it's pretty much the most full contact most full-on martial art there is um i th think one of the things that you and i have spoken about that makes it so interesting is that it's not a sport so you're not training to compete in krav maga it's literally street fighting so mma jiu-jitsu muay thai those are all sports they have a rule set that you're working within krav maga is like no fuck rules we're here to save our lives in a in a street situation and or win a street fight so it's very real like what drew you to starting such an intense um well it's not a sport such an intense activity yeah so that's funny that you say that too um because that's the second mantra that they teach us because if we mess up because we're gonna mess up you know like not get our moves right and they always say just fuck up violently <laughs> like we're gonna mess up and just fuck up violently and get out <laughs> so it really is it's no rules it's do as much damage and get out it's really made for street fighting and it is funny because it does fit my personality I have a little bit of an intense person uh, I, I kind of have a lot of an intense personality which once again I'm trying to keep in my range <laughs> But what drew me to it is I, I randomly saw somebody on Instagram doing it. And I was like, oh, that looks pretty cool. Like, I've always wanted to do a martial art, but I just never knew which one. Uh, but when I was at my breathwork practitioner training, um, specifically for trauma, 
I had just done a couple sessions and I was sitting around the table with a couple different guys that I had become really good friends with. And I apparently was getting very um, heated and passionate about something. And he looked over at me and he's like, have you ever, ever just consider doing Krav Maga because I think it could help with your anger <laughs> and it could really be a great release for you. And so I, I was like, no, but that's the second time I've heard of it. So I'm going to, I'm going to go and I'm going to check it out. And so I went home and I wrote every single school in Chicago and I was like, fuck it. We're just going to try this out. We're going to see what happens and, and go for it. So the school that I go to is called Krav Maga Force and they're in Chicago and he wrote me back pretty immediately. And so that's the school that I've been with ever since I've been with the same two instructors and they are phenomenal. So, yeah. And after my first class, I was really just hooked because it was such a great release. Okay. So your first class, did any trauma come up? Obviously if you were hooked, it was a pretty good experience. What happened in the first class? Absolutely. It was such a great experience. And, you know, they just kind of throw you right in. You know, they're like, okay, now we're going to do 75 burpees, 75 push-ups, 75 whatever. And I was like, are you kidding? This is the warm-up? And I was like, all right, bring it on. I've done an Ironman. I've done all this. I can do, I can do this workout. So I did it. And, you know, they took it really slow for me. But I was able to feel that power of hitting. And for me, what it felt like was the fighting back that I never was able to do as a child and as an adult. And there was something really just empowering about it. And I remember I left class that day. And even after one class, walking down the street, I was kind of like, you want to mess with me? I don't want to hit now. You want to mess with me? Oh, I see you. I see what's going on around here. And I just felt so much more empowered. Mind you, I had done like one class and I literally did, I would have broken my hand if I actually hit something like <laughs> reals. You know, I didn't even know how to punch properly, but it instilled some sort of a confidence in me. And immediately I could tell how passionate the instructors were about teaching. And so that's, yeah, it was just a very pleasant experience right from the get-go. Yeah, that shift in the way that you show up in the world when you have experienced the power that your body is capable of, I think is one of the main things, or in my opinion, is one of the main things about martial arts that makes them so healing for trauma and so important for women. It's not just that you think you know what to do in a situation like that, like in a self-defense situation, like as we've just said, sometimes you physically can't, right? You're being held down or you are in a relationship with the person who's attacking you. So, you know, if you fight back, then they're just going to hit you again an hour later. So sometimes submission is the only option, but changing the way that you show up in the world is one of the things that you can change. And that has far reaching consequences that makes other people treat you differently. That makes you treat yourself differently, most importantly. And you know, that's really how we start to change our lives, which is very, very beautiful. Uh, I want to, pivot to some of the more negative experiences that you had while training in Krav Maga. So there was an incident. Can you talk everyone through what happened? Yeah. So actually this was pretty recent and, um, I, I, I train with mostly men and I mean, met, most everybody's bigger than me in the class and the men have really become a lot of really good friends for me. I've made a lot of really great friends. 
what I have, I've talked so much with my instructor um, and my teacher. I've talked with him from the beginning. I was like, wow, this is really powerful. I was like, how often do you have like women breaking down and crying in your office? Because this is bringing up a lot. And like, it brings up a lot for me. Sometimes it's overwhelming, you know, when we're, we're in a hitting drill and we're just going and all of a sudden I, I realize that I'm not even in my body anymore. You know, I've, I've gone back to that disassociated, you know, I'm, I'm there and I'm going through the motions, but I'm just not even, I'm not even really present in the room anymore. And so I've talked a lot with him about it. And even during some of the drills, you know, he'll give us like a time to go like full force. And I'm like, I can't actually do that. He's like, well, go as long as you can and then, and then ease up. And so I would do that um, in some of the different drills, but we were drilling out this really intense round and it was me and three men who were probably all above six to massive guys. And the thing is, is everybody gets really like, we're all really in it. And the men know, like, you can, you can hit me. You like, you know, I've, I've really put off, like, I want to be one of the guys. I want to be a guy like treat me, you know, hit me hard. Like, don't go easy or whatever. Even if I start to go here, just, I didn't want to appear weak, I think is ultimately what it came down to. I did not want to appear weak to all these men because I've been striving to appear powerful and strong. So we were in the middle of this intense drill and I got kicked doing, a guy was doing a front kick and it hit like right in my like womb, like right below my belly button and it kicked he kicked so hard and it almost knocked me over. I flew like 10 feet back and it was this moment that there was just this primal, it, it's like my body came out and started and just yelled like, no more. I will never be hurt by a man again. And but I immediately disassociated because I kind of had to go back in. And so I was there in the room, but my body completely froze. But it was also like this, like awakening of no more. So I made it through the class. I bolted out and I just broke down and I started bawling. And I was like, I'm never going back. I never want to be hit by a man again. Mind you, these guys, nobody did anything wrong. I want to preempt that. Um, but it was just this, like, I never want to be hit again. I will never be hit again, even in a class by a man because it just, it hurt and it just didn't feel good. And so I actually quit going for about four weeks. And in that time is when I met you. And I have to say that you truly changed everything for me. Like the conversation that we had in private when you were like, girl, you got to get back in there and you need to get in there and you need to speak up and you need to use your voice. And there is nothing wrong with you saying, I'm not doing this drill. I'm not ready to do this. I don't want to do that. Like I'm going to disassociate if I do that. Don't hit me this hard. But you told me you're like, get in there and use your voice. And as a woman in a male dominated sport, you can make a real difference if you just go in there and you use your voice. And it took you actually giving me permission to step out 
to know that I could step out of some of the drills because some of the drills we do, like with our eyes closed and spinning, they're really intense for me. But it took you giving me this like permission. And I think like this woman to woman permission to say, no, this is not okay for me yet. This is out of my range. You're going to blow me into panic or into freeze if I do this to be able to finally, it took like another week or so, but I finally walked back into class and, and I did it's, I found my voice back in the classroom. Um, and it was, it was really, it was really beautiful, but it's like, I, I felt so long, like I had to keep up with all these boys, but I'm not a man. I'm not a six foot two guy. Like I can't take being hit as hard as somebody else can. That's just, it's, that's just never going to happen. And I have a lot of trauma in my past. I have a lot of trauma with men in my past. And so there's going to be times when I'm going to be intensely triggered. And so it really did. It took like this miracle, magical, like meeting you to give me this permission and, and tell me to get my ass back in there because I do love it to be able to, to finally walk back in and, and to be able to use my voice. Yeah, I think, you know, for me, I've been training for a long time in martial arts and I have many, many female friends and it, it just, it takes a while and it shouldn't, but if you just go the, the natural path, it seems to take a while before you have enough like self-esteem and enough confidence in yourself as a fighter to be able to say, you're going too hard with me. I want to go lighter to get to that point where you're not trying to prove yourself. I think all women have this like, no, like if I'm in MMA, if I'm in martial arts, it's because I'm tough. Like I'm not like other girls. You can, you can go hard with me. And we really want to prove that there's just nothing to prove someone who's so much bigger than you. They're always going to be stronger. So you don't have to show it. So even I, don't consider that I have experienced any significant trauma, but it's pretty full on to be beat up by a guy who's much bigger than me. And I have a lot of sisters in the gym, you know, they're my family who I am very strong on saying, you know, you need to know when to say things are going too hard for you so that we can all continue to grow. And guys are just, they're not aware. That's the other thing. We can't put it on them and that you're not and I'm not. And no one is saying it's men's fault. They don't look after women enough. They just don't realize how much stronger that they are than us. But as soon as you realize that you don't have to prove anything and you don't have to show that you are tough, you can just say, then, you know, that's when the whole training experience really changes and you start to come into yourself and become like that full. That's really when you become a badass woman, when you can do that that's when you're a badass. Beforehand, you kind of just like an ego, right? Yes. Oh my God, you nailed that. Yes, I love that. Because that's what it was. And that's when I felt like a, like the badass, like fighter, warrior girl, woman, you know, walking into that class. And, and you know, I, I kind of, I had some of the guys after class and, and one of them kind of asked me, you know, because I'd been gone for so long. And... <laughs> You know, I'm sitting there with the guys and I literally the words that came out of my mouth were, yeah, I've taken this break because my pussy said no more getting hit by a man that hard ever again. And I literally said those words verbatim and they kind of all just like, 
Like, like everybody kind of paused for a second. I was like, did those words just come out of my mouth? Did I just tell them that my pussy said they can't hit me that hard anymore? And I was like, oh yeah, I did. And they all were like, that, that, you feel that deep then, don't you? And I was like, oh, it's deep. I feel that deep. And you know what it did is it opened the door for this beautiful conversation with all of these amazing men. And they were like, thank you. Because sometimes, you know, when we're in there with other women and we're fighting, they get mad because we're not going as hard. Like, why don't you go harder? Like, don't treat me like a woman. You know, treat me like one of the guys in here. Hit harder. And they're like, so we don't actually really know what to be doing in here. We don't know if we should be going harder, if we need to soften it up a little. And, and I was like, you're right. And that's where women, we need to be using our voice in these martial art classes and speaking up and not feeling bad about it. Like owning the fact, like, don't kick me that hard. Or if we're doing this drill, like, only go 15% or I'm more sensitive. Like I actually did these front kicks again with a guy and I said, only working on technique, you're not doing force with this. I can't be hit forceful in this particular kick. You can go as hard as you want with a roundhouse kick, but front kicks, I just need you to just work on your technique. And, and he did, and it was such a beautiful experience and it just made me realize like, how many other areas of our life are we not communicating our needs? <laughs> you know yeah I was um, just thinking that <laughs> yeah yeah right like this is one small thing but it's such a a big area because if you can stand up in this male-dominated sport that you love that you want to be a part of and you can say I am a woman you need to go a little bit softer like you can't hit me as hard as you're hitting this six foot three 250 pound man you just can't like you'll knock me out the window and and then to be met with that grace it's so beautiful and it was such a healing experience and i've had such a wonderful time back at class and i i really do have to say too like conversations like this this is becoming an amazing movement so i mean i started this podcast people like yourself are listening to it and it's changing your life You've then gone and spoken up. Now you feel amazing. Now the guys that you've spoken to, they're much more open to maybe someone who's speaking their needs but not as strongly as someone like you. You know, they're, they're kind of quietly speaking their needs but with their body language even. Even if their body language is just saying, like, this is too much for me. Those guys are now amenable to noticing something like that. And that's going to then spread to other women having more amazing experiences as we're having these conversations. You know, there are now instructors reaching out, you know, um, shout out to Z if she's listening, is owns a gym, owns an academy and is now thinking like, oh, fuck, I have not been thinking about trauma, how to be trauma informed, but I want to be. And there's this whole movement now as if we just keep having more and more of these conversations about where our boundaries are, what our needs are, and it's just become, it's going to become normal. And so then this hugely ego-dominated sport of MMA being what it had been is going to come more back to its roots of humility, of looking after each other, which is what the traditional martial arts are, which I think has been lost a lot, but is still there. You just have to ask for it. It's that simple, but hard to do, but not hard to do as, you know. Yeah, <laughs> it's about. so much harder. And it's, you know, it's funny. It, it, it's so hard. It's so hard to ask for what we want. And I think especially as women, like we're trained, like don't speak your needs, like don't have boundaries, just say yes, or 
you know, we're not taught like to stand up and to use our voice. And one thing after, after speaking with you and just being empowered by another woman, I was like, God, I'm telling women all day to like set these boundaries, no more blah, you know? And if I'm not doing that, then who am I to be teaching this? And so for me, it was a great learning experience to also just be able to, to do that and to break the norm. And, you know, people are receptive in these, in these type of situations because we really are all there for the same purpose, to, to train and to do what we love and to have fun. But we need to do it with a little bit of awareness because I also love what you said, that body language, body language says so much. You know, I like I would be working with directly with my instructor sometime and he's like, why, you know, don't tense up, don't flinch. And I was like, I'm trying to retrain 36 years of freeze and startle. It's going to take me a little bit to get to that point where I'm not like freezing up at, you know, at the thought of being hit or, you know, put in this choke or like pinned down or bear hugged. And yeah, so it is, it's retraining like an entire lifetime of reactions both physically and then with our words yeah there's and there's so many layers to that you know I've been speaking with some of the psychologists that I work with for the fight back project um, and one of them was like you know we need to be mindful of the role of psoas so the hip flexor muscle which when you curl up into a ball which is the fear response which is the dissociation posture right if something bad is happening to you you curl up into a ball how are we making sure that that your re relationship with that muscle then becomes positive because you flex your hip when you kick and that can be a powerful thing but it can also at the same time be a dual traumatic thing so even something that doesn't seem like it would be traumatic to you or to somebody else might be very traumatic for somebody who has that stored trauma and so that's where it's a full picture thing too and i think it's really useful for people to look at speaking with someone who's trained in somatic experiencing, you know, do breath work, do combat sports, do yoga, you know, really feel into every place of your, every part of your body and see where is their trauma, you know, and what part of me do I need to give a little bit of extra love to give it a lot of time to be okay with doing these things because there, there's so many ways that trauma can present itself. So the, the more that we have these conversations, the less surprised people are when it's like, I can't do that. That's triggering for me. And someone's you know, not going to be like, why? That someone's initial response might, because they hear these kind of conversations, be like, okay, makes sense. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, you know, one thing that we talked about was this, like, window of tolerance or range of resilience, however you want to describe it. And that's something that I've become very aware of uh, through my own somatic practices in my own body and that we – you know, that we, that we can begin to play with. Like I had mentioned before, the exercises where we have to close our eyes and have these surprise attacks. I just completely, I'm like, yeah, okay, now I'll do something, you know? But I completely freeze up and startle and it just, it, it takes me out. And so I'm like, I'm not doing those anymore. And, you know, one of the guys was like, well, what if you just closed one eye? How would that feel? And I was like, I could do that. I could close one eye and I want to get to the point where I can work up to being able to handle the surprise attacks. 
But it's like, is there a part of you that can do one more little step towards this so we can increase in a very slow way? So when he said that, I was just like, wow, that was really smart. Why did I not think of that? Like, I don't have to go like from zero to a hundred. I can go zero to 25. Like I can even just like squint. And you know, once I get comfortable there, then I can fall into these bigger exercises. So it's really important, like being able to, to notice, like at what point do you freeze or what point do you go into pure panic and fear and terror? Or what point do you start losing control and rage? And then being able to just like play with that windows of tolerance. And, you know, you don't have to disclose even that much about yourself or your trauma. If that's very personal to you, if you're doing a combat sport and there's that situation, think about, like imagine stuff in your head and think about what would be doable for you. And And no person in the world, I think, in response to you saying, look, this eyes closed thing is too much for me. Could I just have one eye closed? It's going to be like, no, get out of the gym. You can't do it with just one eye closed. That's not the exercise. And if they do, leave, get on every single review page ever, write them a one-star review, tell the world that they shouldn't be teaching, (laughs) go find someone else because there are five more academies around the corner that are caring and will be open to you taking things a little bit slower when you speak your needs. Yes. Yes. You've got to find instructors that can meet you where you're at. And I've had conversations with both of my two instructors and they are both fantastic about it. And they do push me and they know like, you know, how I like what, where I don't like to go and now and kind of where I do, but now it's teaching the guys that I'm working with that as well. And just standing up and being like, Nope, just, or I'm just going to go really freaking slow. Like I want to feel what it feels like having, you know, you put your arms coming in for a side choke because I need to know what that feels like. So I don't freeze during it before I even go into any movements. I need to know how to not freeze really breaking down. You can, you know, get to the point where you can tolerate these exercises. And I know I chose, like I said, like we, I chose like the most like Whew, in, like I chose a really intense martial arts, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's still, it's good. I don't know. No, I, I think your story like that is just what, and stories like that is what every woman needs to hear. Cause like we said, once another woman has told you and given you permission, or once you've heard it from someone else, it just becomes possible because it's been within your world because someone else has done it in your world it then is possible. And mm-hmm. that concept, like the, the more you hear it, you're like, huh? And then it's like, oh no, okay. Yeah, it makes sense, right? We're all human. If another human has done it before, then you can do it too. And I think that's that's super empowering in of itself. We have nearly done an hour. So um, yeah. yeah, I want to go into or just wrap up by what advice do you have for women wanting to start Krav Maga or wanting to take on their trauma? What, what should they be doing? Okay. So those are two little, two little beasts yeah. there. So let's, let's say Krav Maga. Like if you want to go and you want, you're like, wow, this sounds really interesting. Uh, I want to try this out. Go, just go follow that curiosity, but walk in 
with the knowledge that you do not have to do everything the instructor says. That instructor does not have to, you don't have to do anything that, you know, that instructor says. Like, follow your own tolerance. Speak up for yourself. If you get hit too hard, say it. You know, these are all things that I kind of wish I would have known walking in. Like, I wish I could have had you, you know, like a year ago when I first walked into the studio. So, um, yeah, like, here's your permission slip right now to be able to speak up for yourself. And anybody who's like, I think I have some trauma, you know, a lot of times we're working with repressed trauma and even like repressed trauma can come out in these high intense situations. So sometimes you may not even know you have trauma and then it comes out. Um, but if you want to start tackling trauma, find somebody and talk to them. Like find a therapist. I really, really, really recommend finding somebody who's somatically trained to, to, to just to, to begin your work. Like just to begin, go talk to somebody. It's okay to ask for help. We can all heal for trauma, but we cannot do it alone. We were Absolutely. never meant to heal alone, ever. And so it takes, it takes a village. It really, truly takes a village to heal trauma. And just taking the first step of asking for help is the most courageous thing that you will ever do. Um, find somebody who's trauma-informed. Find a somatic experiencing practitioner. And I would highly recommend anything that gets you feeling into your body. So breath work, yoga, movement practices, anything where you can really start to feel and tune into the felt sense of how you're holding trauma in your body. Because you can talk, talk, talk all day, but you can't talk yourself out of being fearful and scared in the body that needs to be released through physical practices through movement through feeling the feelings thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the fireback podcast i really appreciate all your ongoing support it means so much to me that we've now got 250 downloads uh, which is pretty crazy for a little podcast that i've just been recording from my bedroom. I think this message is so important to get out to all women that you are a badass and you can go try combat sports and you know there's just so many other women who have already done it so you already have evidence that it is possible. So I'm going to keep bringing you guys these episodes. If you want me to be able to reach more women it really helps me out if you leave a review. So on Apple Podcasts, please leave me a five-star review so that other women get to see that this podcast exists. It's already started happening. So through the podcast, I've already started connecting with women all over the world, uh, which is absolutely amazing. It means that we're starting to shift the conversation towards how can I be a more trauma-informed instructor? How can I seek a more trauma-informed club and you know how can I get started and that's literally happening because of you guys because you're all listening to this podcast so yeah from the bottom of my heart I'm rambling but thank you so much thank you thank you thank you please leave me a review and I'll talk to you next week bye-bye